2: Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime
3: for details. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Hour two on this Friday, and as you've come to expect, it's a meat Friday. Traegers are all fired up, so are we, because it's taco time! You got steak tacos, you got barbecue pork belly tacos, loaded grilled chicken tacos. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. Say good morning to our newest affiliate, 106.1 The Ticket in New Orleans, and uh, Pat Galloway, also Jason Ginty, thank you for uh, bringing us into one of our favorite cities and the host of this year's Super Bowl. And uh, we're there live, Central Time, 8 a.m., until uh, 11 a.m. New Orleans time. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow, poll question from hour one, and what are we going to go with in hour two, Seton? Yeah,
5: Dan, up there for hour one, uh, we had an owner sitting in and take, bless you, an owner sitting in and taking part in the NFL combine. <laughs> is a red flag or good business? Mm-hmm. Uh, Right now, 67% of the audience are saying it is a red flag. Yeah, Massive red flag. Yeah, Massive. All right. Massive red flag. Um, Well, I was going to put up there a player refusing medical exams at the Combine
4: is concerning or standard procedure, but I don't really feel like it is concerning. No, Caleb Williams is saying, look, I don't want to do a physical for every team. I totally get that. Yes, it should be just a universal... Physical that you then give to the team so they can have that same info. Everybody has the same information. Yes, Paulie.
6: But this is year one of players refusing to do stuff. Uh, We had last week, I think, Athletes First told all their clients, they have a handful of guys going to the draft, they're not taking the S2 cognitive test. They told teams, our athletes aren't doing it. And then we have the number one pick, which is totally his right, saying, I'm not taking the medical. So that's the only thing. This is new.
4: Yeah, but I wouldn't have my clients take the cognitive test because everything gets shared. It gets leaked. And then what do we focus on? Uh, Either the guy who did really, really well or the guy who did poorly. And it felt like there was a kind of a smear campaign against C.J. Stroud last year because it was, oh, can he, at the line of scrimmage, can he make decisions? So is it true? Or did they leak that, that he wasn't good at that? And then we saw the year that he had for the Houston Texans. All right, uh, so poll question for hour two. we uh, We're going to go with which one, Seton? Yeah, we're putting up there with the
5: Bears. Would you rather have Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, the second rounder this year <laughs> and next year?
4: <laughs> okay. Uh, Caitlin Clark announced she is going pro. No surprise there. But uh, that draft comes up quickly right after March Madness. I've got the odds... The odds to win the national title, and then we're going to bring in Holly Rowe, who's been covering Caitlin Clark for the mothership. South Carolina, overwhelming favorite. And then you have two teams tied, second-best odds to win the title this year, LSU and Iowa. Then it's UConn and Stanford. That's it. I was surprised that Iowa and uh, LSU are uh, tied with these second-best odds there. But right now, South Carolina and Don Staley's done an unbelievable job. I think lost all five starters and don't have name recognition, but that's a deep team that she has there. Holly Rowe will be part of ESPN's college game day coverage, Ohio State and Iowa, Caitlin Clark needing 18 points to surpass Pete Maravich for the most career points in college basketball history. Always great to see the smiling face of Holly Rowe who joins us now. What's this experience been like for you covering Caitlin Clark?
0: It's actually been very wild because, you know, we've I've been covering women's college basketball for 30 years. I have seen a lot. I have seen the height of UConn's greatness. I've seen Maya Moore, Candace Parker, you know, some of the hype around some of these big athletes, and I just haven't ever seen anything like this. I was in Nebraska the day she had a chance to break the first Division One record. I was in Minnesota night before last, and it is absolute chaos, adoration, You know, little girls, um, there's thousands of number 22 jerseys, little girls screaming, Caitlin, Caitlin. I mean, it's just really, it's precious. It's amazing. And I think of the legacy that she's leaving. All these little girls, they'll remember this for the rest of their lives. They'll love basketball for the rest of their lives. And I've run into people, like one dad who brought his daughter from Canada, who flew in from Alberta to watch Caitlin Clark play, another mother of three, that drove a thousand miles from Arkansas to Nebraska to see Caitlin Clark play and Iowa. So it's been really wild.
4: Feels like it's boy band type stuff, like One Direction or, you know, throw out in sync.
0: And Taylor Swift, come on. It's Taylor Swift at its finest. Okay. And, boy and bands.
4: Well, I Taylor just...
0: Swift's the hottest person in sport or in, in uh, you know, fandom. Well,.
4: I, I guess just the, the frenzy surrounding yeah. something like that. But you're right. If you want to put, you know, she's the Taylor Swift of sports here with, uh, you know, what's happened. How has she changed in the last couple of years with all of this? Or how has she changed?
0: No, I would say there's a couple of ways she's changed. Number one, um, she's had to get an agency. You know, she was doing this and her family were kind of doing this on their own till midway through this season. And the crush just got too big and the sponsorship opportunities just got too big. She's now signed with some of the biggest brands we have in America, you know, in Nike, uh, Gatorade and Nike, um, State Farm. And so she's getting help from an agency. And it's really interesting how they navigate. Like I can put in requests with their sports information people, but then they have to go through the agency to get to her. It's a lot. But her as a person, the only thing she's changed is she's gotten better on the basketball court. She's handling this so well. I've asked her, you know, do you feel pressure? Is this overwhelming? Because I feel overwhelmed at these games with all, this crush of people. And she said, no, I'm just enjoying every second. And and she is comfortable on the court. She is embracing all of this um, madness and, and, and loving it.
4: And it's not a collective like NIL. She actually has true sponsors, not somebody taking up money to give to her. Therefore, that should translate to the WNBA. I saw where The sports business reporter, Darren Revell, said she's going to take a $750,000 pay cut. And I'm thinking, I don't think they just invested in Caitlin Clark at Iowa. They're investing in Caitlin Clark.
0: Yes, I think that would probably be wildly inaccurate because she'll only get more marketing money in the WNBA. You know, there is a lot in collectives. There is a lot in NIL and college right now. But there's a lot of money in the wnba i mean stars are making you know millions of dollars maybe the salaries are not where they need to be but i promise you asia wilson brianna stewart the top players in the wnba are making in the millions um, with all of their endorsement deals and caitlin clark is the hottest thing going to a midwest team likely in the indiana fever it's a five-hour drive from iowa you you don't mean to tell me all these iowa fans aren't going to drive they're, they're doing that every weekend anyway to come and see Caitlin Clark play. So I think it's only going to get bigger and better for her. And, you know, the WNBA has marketing money. There is money there. I, do, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. Maybe it's not as much as the men. There's plenty of money there to go around.
4: We were wondering about this, the impact Steph Curry has had on Caitlin Clark. And if we go back 10 or 11 years ago, I think that's where Steph hit a shot. Mike Breen had the call and it or 2015 and it was like so deep the shot and it it looked like it was a bad shot and i just wonder if she's watching that or what that meant to her when she sees somebody that she wants to emulate and some of those shots she takes even you know the uh, record setter like those aren't good shots for anybody but her and it's the same thing with steph has she talked about steph curry's impact on her
0: she has. She's talked about Steph. She's talked about Maya Moore was her favorite player growing up. Who played for the Minnesota Lynx. She went to a lot of Lynx games and she wanted to be like Maya Moore when she grew up. And the, the kind of the cool story right now, too, is um, Pistol Pete. You know, she's 18 points away from breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's record. When she was little, they called her Ponytail Pete and because she was doing this at a very young age as a little, little kid. She played against boys for much of her life growing up and she figured out that's how I can get my shot off is from deep. <laughs> and um, and then people suggested to her that she watched Pistol Pete YouTube videos. So she did that as a kid. And then she has grown up in the Steph era. I know he has been a huge um, influence and mentor of hers. I was able to catch up with Steph at an NBA game last week and he sent me this really sweet shout out for Caitlin. And what he told me was, He loves her game. He loves how fearless she plays. He loves her range, obviously, but he loves the poise with which she's carrying the kind of the weight of women's basketball on her shoulders so gracefully. And he said, I know what it's like to chase records and have these eyes and this pressure. And he said, I'm impressed the most with how she is carrying herself. I thought that was really sweet from Steph.
4: We're talking to Holly Rowe. She's been on the road with Caitlin Clark. Uh, College game day is going to be at Iowa. It's Ohio State against Iowa coming up on Sunday. And Caitlin needing 18 points to surpass Pete Maravich. She was on with us, I think it was a year ago. And I did ask her about maybe staying an extra year. How much thought did she give to that COVID year?
0: I think she did think about it quite a bit. And she just barely made her decision yesterday. And, you know, I've talked to her at points along the year about it. And she said i really don't know i I really am not sure i think there's this real um desire to stay and keep giving these fans in iowa what they want i mean these little girls dan i just hope you can watch um sunday and see this it is so precious the the love and adoration it's just incredible but i do think one reality is all of her seniors that she came in with are leaving you know and you know what it's like um you, you don't want to be the old guy at the frat party, right? Yeah. And, or, or maybe you do. I don't know. But she, um, she's just like, all my friends are leaving. I've been here. I've done what I can. She's broken all the records. Um, You know, she's got one more to go in Pete Maravich. But I think that she understands she wants to be good in the WNBA. And, and now is the time. She's young. Uh, you know, you don't want too many miles on the tires, as they say. And she plays hard. I think she's ready.
4: And – I guess we're going to have some kind of three-point shooting contest next year where Sabrina's in it, Steph's in it, Caitlin's in it, and then who would be the other person you would put in? Dame. Okay. Dame Lillard. So you would put Caitlin and Dame versus Sabrina and Steph?
0: I like it. Great I mean, TV. The the ratings went up for the All-Star experience when Sabrina and Steph did that competition. I find that really interesting that a WNBA star is helping increase the ratings for the NBA All-Star. That is a really interesting topic. But, you know, it's kind of must-see television, and I love it. It's kind of the battle of the sexes, the battle of the shooters, and I think Caitlin Clark would bring even more eyes to that. Sabrina's a huge star in her own right, but Caitlin Clark's hot right now, and I think that would be much to watch TV.
4: Great to see you. Thank you again.
0: Thanks for having me. I love talking to you, and I just want to say you've been the best for a long, long time, and I appreciate you and admire you greatly.
4: Thank you, Holly. I appreciate that. That's uh, Holly Rowe from the mothership. She'll be there with the uh, game day crew. It'll be Ohio State at Iowa rematch. That was a great game last time around in Columbus when uh, Ohio State won that one, I believe, in overtime. So uh, Caitlin needs 18 points to surpass Pete Maravich on the all-time scoring list. Rick in Indiana joins us. Good morning, Rick. What's on your mind?
3: All right, Dan, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener uh, from Boilermaker country here. All right. Uh, so, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's forgetting the three M's of uh, college basketball, Maravich, Mount, and Murphy. No, I uh,
4: mentioned them yesterday.
3: Okay, well, you know, there was no three-point shot back then. They only played three years. So I don't know if she would caught up with them, you know, in that length of time. You know, she's a good player. Um, you can't take nothing away from her, but it uh, seems like everybody's forgotten about these three guys. Well, that... I,
4: I know, but we're trying to compare eras. And just appreciate what Caitlin Clark's doing. It, it, really, when you look at what she's doing, it makes what Pete Maravich did stand out even more. Because now, by comparison, no three-point shot. Pete played three years. She's played four. Uh, but, I mean, Caitlin Clark is a great player. Wonderful player. Transformative player. She will have an impact on the women's game the way Steph Curry did of players trying to emulate her. How many players can you say that about? Men or women where you've changed the game? And she has. She's changed the approach to these games for women. Pete did that too. Steph did that. I mean there's a handful of players who changed the game and Caitlin Clark is in that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Alexandro in Oregon joining us.
3: Hey, buenos dias, mis amigos. Buenos dias. Uh, so Dan, I got a set of the day and then a shout out to you guys. Okay. So which, which one would you like first? Uh, it's, uh, your, your choice. All right. So here's my shout out about a month ago. I was traveling. I was away from home for like a week and you guys got me through. I listened to you every morning. I was in Utah every morning. You guys got me through to remind me at home. So thank you very much to the entire group.
4: Okay. Thank you.
3: All right. uh, stat of the day. Ooh. So on this day, May, March 1st, 1997, my wife said, I do.
4: That's your stat, of the, that's your stat of the day.
3: That's my stat of the day.
4: <laughs> okay. Uh, give me a little music there, Marvin. Stat of the
3: day. Stat of the 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 day. Stat of the
4: day. Stat of the day. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick show. Joshua in L.A. Hey, Josh, what's on your mind today?
3: So you're still now? Uh, uh, hey Josh it's a turn um, Josh
4: okay,
3: so it's better, but... hello what's what's going on Hey oh my God i I'm like now uh, so I'm about to go into surgery I always think people call you after surgery but I'm actually about to go into it I'm Wait, getting are a you hurt are,
4: are you doing the surgery or are you getting surgery done?
3: No, no, I, I'm getting it done. I'm getting inguinal hernia. Anesthesiologist, do you know Dan Patrick? I'm on the phone yeah. with Dan Patrick. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. um, I'm about to go in to get hernia surgery. Did anyone of you guys get that? I'm like curious about recovery time.
4: Uh, I've had hernia surgery. Fritzy's had it a couple of times there. Um, Fritzy, any suggestions for Josh who's going into surgery momentarily?
3: Just gotta tough it out as the healing process involved. But after uh, each day, you'll feel a little stronger. That
4: doesn't. That doesn't help know. him. Yes, Paul. Can we
6: listen to the surgery? I've never heard of surgery before. Um. No. no nah,
4: I don't think so. Uh, but I will say that uh, the anesthesia that you get—that's a great sleep that's coming up here, Josh. I will say that. All right. I can use a good sleep. Yes. It's 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 a great one. Uh, you know, like colonoscopy-type sleep when you wake up from that, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? It's like, you know, it's back to the future, you know. So um, good luck. We're all, what, now I, you have more advice? I wouldn't on? do any sit
3: anytime soon. I don't do okay. them ever, but whether you have a hernia or not, but you should probably wait a few weeks before doing any type of ab work.
4: Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Josh, good luck, and uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully hear from you on the other side. Okay, all right, love you guys. You do it Okay, back. that's Josh going hopefully. into surgery. <laughs> Well, you don't know. Yeah. You do not
6: know. Yes. Yes, Paulie. That's our first ever call from a pre-op ward, I think. You know, this guy's about to get in. The anesthesia guy is the last person you talk to. Pretty much where
4: you're looking up, those bright lights are on you, and then they get ready to put the mask on you, and then they go, just uh, just count down from 10. (laughs) You never get to one. You're like, 10, 9, see ya. Yes, yes, Tom.
3: And they make you sign those pink and yellow forms, basically like, oops, if something happens, you know, you're, you're not going to sue us, or your family's not going to come get money from us. Right. Things happen right. the surgery.
6: Thank you, Todd. Uh, Paulie? They, they do, you know, it'd be a great thing, but people say when they come out of anesthesia, you don't know what you say, but people always tell you what you say. I love to hear doctors and family mm. members talk about it, because I've heard some wild stuff.
4: I don't know if I've ever talked in my sleep. Like, Anesthesia?
6: Well, like they say, when you're coming out of anesthesia, you're talking about, like, I need more uh, peanut butter. You know, like, you're just rambling mm-hmm. until you get coherent.
4: Yeah, I haven't heard that. No one said, man, do you know what you said? Uh, no. Well... I don't know who Sarah is, but uh, it's none of my business, huh? <laughs> yes, Todd. My
3: surgeon said I was saying, "Don't start yet. Don't start yet. I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep." I was concerned they were going to start <laughs> digging into me while I was going to feel the pain and be awake for that. So I kept saying it all, and then I, eventually, I guess I went out cold. <laughs> but I was begging. I'm still up. I'm still up. If you're starting. <laughs>
4: You're so neurotic. You're so neurotic. So I
3: could think of what if they start and they think I'm out, but I'm out. They must have a series of tests to make sure you're officially out, I (laughs) guess.
4: I think the test is when they stick the knife in you. You're going, oh, what are you doing? (laughs) Give us some more stuff. Killing me. Yeah. (laughs) Felt that. Ouch. Uh, I
7: think he needs a little more anesthesia.
4: Yeah. All right, let me take a break. And We'll talk to our good buddy, Joey Votto. He wants a team to love him. He needs, he needs a team to love him. Nobody's loving him right now. He wants to play one more year. One of our favorite guests, he'll join us next, Dan Patrick Show.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What do you got going on here, Marvin?
7: The king of wishful thinking. Wow, this is snarky.
1: That's
4: Joey Votto's new nickname? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Why why are we getting mean-spirited here? Joey Votto, front of the show. No, no, no,
7: we like Joey. He's the he's most funniest.
4: Down on his luck. Nobody wants him. No teams want him. I mean, no. we're here to pick up his spirits a little bit. Today's Mercedes-Benz interview of the day, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz EV, makes Mercedes-Benz different, is, well, it's electric, and uh, it'll get you there. It's what moves you. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Slash EQ. He's Joey Votto. Free agent, six-time All-Star, won an MVP, seventeen years in Major League Baseball, all with the Reds, and here he sits, all alone, with us. Good morning, Joey.
8: Ah, good morning. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, how's morale? Well, slow. <clears throat> it's, it's as low as it gets. Okay. And uh, at this rate, I don't see it getting any better. But uh, I'm on the show. And I'm here to hawk my wares. Uh, I'm hopeful that a Dan Patrick push will get me a job. So here I am.
4: Oh, so you might be an analyst. Your days playing are over?
8: Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm here to... Let's get me a baseball job. Let's play some baseball. Okay. No, no, not an analyst job. No.
4: Okay. So Funny,
8: funny. Funny, funny, funny enough. I've had... 10 times the analyst jobs over this offseason than i have had any baseball offers
4: what's the best offer you've received so far from a team no
8: oh just chatter just ch- just just talk uh, no 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 firm offer yet no
4: do you think the beard is helping or hurting you with uh, teams that might be interested in you
8: it's um I, I don't know if it's if i don't know if it's making a difference i can tell you it's a reflection of my emotional state. You know, the, (laughs) I feel, you know, last night I was sitting on the couch, eating boxes of cookies, watching old Dan Patrick, uh, you know, by the way, Larry Bird's my favorite interview so far. Okay. And I've got cookie crumbs on my stomach, cookie crumbs in my beard. You know, I, 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 and I was thinking, wow, things are going pretty good for me right now. So yeah.
4: Yeah, but I still look back when Travis Kelsey was first taking his shot, and uh, with Taylor Swift, and then you were yep. kind of in the on deck circle. At least you know you wanted to maybe take your shot, and now look at those yep. two. What could have been? You could be traveling the world with Taylor Swift right now, and teams would be offering you a job.
8: Yeah, it would be it would be a, a, a different uh a different uh version of the simulation, as they say. The new saying from the kids and you know. Hmm. Um but no, I I it's just not to be, Dan. It's just not to be. So
4: I see that you have a guitar behind you.
8: Yeah. Yeah, my uh, that's actually, so I had everything from my Cincinnati house shipped up. Uh, I'm I'm in Toronto, Canada. I had everything, all my you know little trinkets, and then you know uh, clothing, etc. And and I had this guitar down in down in Cincinnati at the house. It was my late father's guitar. He used to play. And when I was a boy, we went to a guitar sh- store, and I remember vividly uh, he didn't have any cash in his wallet, and I just happened to have a little bit of cash on me. And i paid for the guitar very very inexpensive guitar but that was something we shared together at that store and he played it all the time and then now i i get to have it so yeah it just brings back great memories of of my father playing uh, hotel california and and, and singing it and, and wanting the family to sing it and then wanting to go on tour as a family <laughs> <laughs> and only playing covers of hotel california together as a group okay so, <laughs> uh, it, it would have been either a really, really long show, you know, or a short show. So, um, yeah, it just brings, brings back great memories.
4: Can, could you give me 300 at-bats this season?
8: I'd love to give you, you know, I'd love to give you 700 plate appearances. I, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm i take one or 700 plate appearances. My, my attitude is prepare for the season, be available for anything that comes my way, and then just work. You know, I... I I'll give a I'll 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 be sincere for a moment, uh, realizing you know that that jobs aren't um, aren't flowing. You just miss you miss the game. You you love the love I feel is 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 coming to the forefront for the game, and I still feel a longing to compete. And I I think I'm still good, you know I I really do. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a beautiful game. I miss the spring and the summer weather. I miss the stadiums. I miss the time in the batter's box. You brought up three hundred at bats. You know, every single one of those those at bats is is memorable and special. And and when you don't have them in front of you, you realize how much you miss them.
4: How scary is retirement?
8: Yeah, um, I think I I think the reason why it's concerning to me is because. Look, look i i, I can't I, I refuse to make an excuse about about my shoulder uh, my, reco- my shoulder injury and its recovery i refuse to but i do know it was a factor and the idea of being this you know uh, spirit wandering you know the the middle uh middle earth without that sort of finality to my career is intimidating to me i feel like one of you know i feel like i'm in a bit of a there's a possibility that if i don't play again i'll be in a bit of a purgatory of not having the opportunity to prove to myself it's over or no no no, you can still do it and at full strength and so that's the thing that stands most out to me uh, stands out the most to me you know i get excited about the idea of, of um retirement you know traveling doing some traveling hopefully starting a family one day having having a consistent routine but I'm just not there yet mentally, and I've prepared as much as I possibly could. Have.
4: Yeah, it's it's sometimes retirement chooses you. You don't choose retirement, and right yeah. na- right now, you have teams by their inactivity are really giving you the message that maybe you don't want to you know consume, but it might be the reality that you won't have an opportunity to play again.
8: Yeah, to be fair, though the the free agent market has has. Uh, ground to a halt um you know last year's Cy Young winner still doesn't have a job uh you know there's plenty of like likely nine figure uh, players certainly eight figure contract players uh that don't have jobs yet I yeah I I don't know what to say other than then you may be absolutely correct um but I, that's not a language I speak to myself you know when 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 I was coming up through the minor leagues, or excuse me, when I was coming up in high school, I remember, uh, being at a side outside of a batting cage and I'm 16, 17 years old. And a boy says to me, you know, what are you going to do after, after high school? And I said, without hesitation, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play professional baseball. And he laughed in my face and he was like, what are you talking about, dude? Give me a break. And that hurt. And then I remember being in the minor leagues and someone asked me, you know, uh, what do you, you how, long, how long do you want to play in the major leagues for? And I said, what do you mean? I'm going to win like multiple most valuable players. Um, you know, I, I just, I just don't operate in, in a way that I'm, you know, I don't think like um, I'm ready. I don't feel like I have that quit language and i want someone to you know just finish me as far as like um just 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 um i'm trying to think of a uh an appropriate you know for this g this g show but you know just stomp on my skull and 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 finish me and i'm gonna keep fighting all the way to the end sort of thing what if the angels? Perverbially, rhetorically, rhetorically. What
4: if the angels reached out and said, "We'll give you the league minimum."
8: I'd have to ask my agent if that's a fair market deal. You know, I I don't know enough. I don't know what the market looks like.
4: Well, how important is money, as opposed to still being able to put on a uniform?
8: It's that sweet spot of of how important is money? Um money money does a couple things for you and I'm not saying like in your bank account I'm saying it buys you additional at-bats because they've invested in you it buys you leverage um you know I suppose just playing well solves that but at at no point in time um do you ever have a are you ever in a position of power So as far as like money being a factor i'm gonna let my agent dictate. to be honest with you i can only speak so much about that i've had two contracts from the team that drafted me that basically were in the flow of my prime where you know i really i I negotiated relatively hard but i was never in a position of weakness and so i don't know I, i guess i'm speaking out of turn in terms of what what the money, what the dollars mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, forgive me if I'm if I'm sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about.
4: I can hear in your voice you're normally upbeat. We have fun. Um, it's not you there.
8: ask me retirement questions. You ask me. Yeah, but that's the reality know. of this. Yeah, like the yeah. elephant
4: is in the room, and I have to address that. That there's a real sure. possibility you don't play again.
8: Yeah, there is a real. possibility. So these
4: aren't fun questions, but it is my job to ask the real questions um so that, yeah. that that's why i ask would you would you be a part of a managerial staff
8: i have no interest in that i spent the last you know from november 1 I, you know we we met after when i was in iceland and i went on to england and and spain i had a lovely month trip but from november 1 until this very day i mean after the second i get done with this i've got my my uh, training prep and then my physical therapy again, with the intent on getting to a perfect place physically. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not training to be a manager or training to be a front office member or an announcer. You know, I, the it's such the the degree of difficulty just gets significantly higher as you get older and as as the league gets to know your tendencies and as you get injured and. You know, all these things culminate uh, to a razor, razor thin sort of margin for error. And um, I'm just in a place where I want to prep, give myself the best opportunity. And then, you know, there was, I was over at my buddy's house, uh, maybe over, you know, with his wife and kids, and he had a sign laying on the ground. He's probably listening right now. He had a sign laying on the ground that said, love like you're going to love like you you're never going to get your heart broke sort of thing and that's the way i feel about this scenario i i'm going to go all the way in and if it gets taken from me you know i've had a freaking great run dan a great run and i've checked every box achieved every goal but i i feel like my attitude towards this is as healthy as it gets because i've got a new challenge so i'm i'm i'm, I'm not doing it for the money I'm not doing it for the fame. I'm not doing it for the accolades or the stat padding. I'm doing it for the genuine love of competition. And if it doesn't come my way, I'll accept that and move on and, uh, you know, come on with you as an analyst in some capacity to catch up on tight, uh, you know, see-through pants, what have you. But, you know, as it it stands right now. That's what you're
4: missing out on. You want to wear the see-through pants. I know what's going on. I'll get you hair. You can wear it around the house if you want to.
8: Uh, what, yeah, I listen. <laughs>
4: what happened to you in your last at bat?
8: Yeah, um, you know, I was just, uh, I think, just frustrated with the day. Um, but, but what was the and, end
4: result of the last? What could be your last at bat? Uh, yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I was ejected from the game we were in St. Louis on a day game, right? You're laughing. <laughs> I was, I was in St. Louis on a it, it was a, it was a day game. And by the way, St. Louis fans gave me a, you know, a lovely, um, applause when I walked up to bat. I mean, what, what generosity, but I remember vividly being in a foul, foul mood when I walked up, uh, ready to compete. And, you know, I struck out, went back to the dugout and I went underneath and I slammed the bat. I was actually quite disappointed that I was so upset that I slammed the bat after the strikeout and went un- went to the dugout, snagged an iPad, looked at the bat, saw that it was uh, not a strike uh, during the middle of the bat, which is typically when you don't get upset. And I started hollering at the umpire. And he's a great umpire with a steady demeanor, but you can't holler from the bench bullying or just, you know, disrupting the game. And he threw me out and I walked up, I ran up to him and I wasn't even angry. I ran up to him and I go, "Uh, that ball's in, you know, that ball's inside. This could be my last game. I said those words, this could be the last game. And he said, why'd you, then why'd you get thrown out, Joey? Why did you yell at me? You knew that this was going to prompt an ejection. And I said, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Have a good game. Take care. And, I, 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 you know, you see on the video, I touch him on his on his side or on his arm, and I say, you're absolutely right. All right. Take care. You know, that was it. All
4: right. Stay in touch. Good luck. If I can yeah. uh, help you in any way, let me know. Okay?
8: Appreciate it, Dan.
4: All right, bud. It's Joey Votto. Anybody want classy guy? Good locker room guy. And not afraid to get thrown out of a game as well. He's ready. So, uh, got an MVP. uh, 294 career average. 356 home runs. 2,100 hits. The MVP as well. Six all-star appearances. Yeah, Paul.
6: Worked in a nice little compliment to the Cardinals fans at the end. Yeah, he did. Smart move. Yeah. They would love him.
4: Yeah. He's one of those guys, if he's on your roster, he's going to help your roster. He will.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments,
2: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit Pick 6 states Void where prohibited. See terms at pick promos
4: un talks about closing in on 40,000 career points. How amazing is that? 40,000. Also, the Dan Patrick Takes a Gamble podcast. You had Bad Larry, Shea and Irving, and Dylan, the graphics guy. They took the Wonderlick test yesterday, and we had some surprising results. I'll have that information for you coming up. He is Lewis Riddick, our good buddy from the mothership. He is in Indianapolis at the Combine, former Washington and Eagles director of uh, pro personnel and, of course, a former NFL defensive back, part of uh, SportsCenter's coverage, NFL Live as well. And uh, Lewis joins us. How important is this whole process, the scouting process, to the draft?
9: It's important, Dan, because it's another piece of the puzzle. And probably one of the most important pieces in regards to, one, obviously, player health. Because all 32 teams' medical staffs are here. And they all get to put their hands on you, so to speak, and take a look at you. Although... I guess from what I hear, maybe that some players don't even want to do that now at this point. And number two, it gives you a chance to really, outside of the Senior Bowl, which was the first opportunity, this is your second opportunity now to kind of sit in a room in a formal interview setting in front of, maybe like in the case of Washington, your owner, general manager, the head coach, the coordinator, the position coach, maybe the area scout, college scouting director. And they have, like, 15 minutes to try and peel back some of the layers real quick about who you are and get to know you a little bit in a, in a face-to-face way. Now, some people don't put a whole lot of emphasis even on that anymore simply because in these 15 minutes these kids are so scripted sometimes it's almost like talking to a wall. It's like talking to a robot. I've been in some of those meetings where it's just like we just wasted 15 minutes of our time.
4: But are you but, asking football questions or real-world, real-life questions?
9: A little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. I think, from the real world perspective, then you you should go in there knowing pretty much ninety five percent of what this guy is about from a behavioral standpoint, from a character standpoint. So so nothing in this meeting actually shocks you. I guess what would shock you in this in these kind of meetings is, is when a guy kind of lies about something that you already know know about, and you just want to see if he'll be truthful about it. That's probably a bigger red flag than finding out new information is when someone lies and misrepresents who they are. I've been in those situations too, where man, it's been an immediate turnoff, maybe even removing a guy off the board because of the fact that you just know you can't trust him. If you were
4: in with Caleb Williams, and let's Mm -hmm. say you were still in a, uh, you know, front office position, Mm -hmm. what do you want to ask Caleb Williams?
9: I really want to ask him about, like, what's the structure of his life going to be like as far as the kind of people who are advising him, who are going to influence his daily decisions as far as, you know, um, how he is going to integrate himself into the community of the place where, you know, he gets drafted to who's coming along with him, How are they, what role are they going to kind of play in his life as far as, again, managing his, his mindset as it relates to his career, managing his mindset as it relates to endorsements, managing his mindset and, and kind of like shaping his mind, mindset as far as his personal life. See, those are all the things, all those distractions, I don't want to say distractions, but all those life things, I've seen those kind of things derail uber-talented players more so than a scout or a scouting director or a team getting it wrong about a player from a physical perspective. Wanna, all those life things mess people up more so than anything.
4: You want to know the infrastructure of the That's player right. you're going to – and certainly if you're going to take a quarterback, certainly if you're going to take somebody number one overall.
9: That's right because – and and it's hard, man. It's, it's hard to sometimes get at the authentic individual because they are so programmed and coached up to kind of keep it so vanilla that you can't really get a good feel for it. And so, you know what? So sometimes you almost have to go, you know, you almost have to play a little bit of a game of cat and mouse with these dudes. right? Like, so you're like, for instance, you bring a guy in for a top 30 visit into your organization to into your, you know, in your home facility, the guy who goes and picks up that guy, A lot of times you're downloading information from that person about how were they when they got in the car? Who were they on the phone with? What were they having conversations about? How did they treat you? Were they complaining about the fact that maybe they weren't in first class or that, you know, the car that you're picking them up in isn't nice enough? Because I've been involved in that too. And then that guy who's like complaining and moaning and constantly just being a pain in the ass, to be quite honest with you, as soon as they get to your facility – then it's yes, sir, no, sir. I'm just happy to be here, sir. I love it here, sir, et cetera, et cetera. And you're sitting there going, but the person who just picked him up, who was an intern, tells you this guy was insufferable. He complained the whole time. <laughs> he was like, I, he was on the phone telling his family, I hope to God I don't get drafted there. <laughs> I, we've had that happen. Is this a real story? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I'm not going to say who it was, but it absolutely is. Did you draft him? No and he wound up kind of busting out of the league after being a um, a day-two draft pick, who some who many thought would be a day-one draft pick. Mm. He busted out of the league pretty quickly.
4: Talking to Louis Riddick of uh, the Mothership, he's at the Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, hand size still matter? That's going to be a big deal uh, when the numbers come out uh, today or tomorrow?
9: <laughs> yeah, when it comes to quarterbacks, for sure, man. Because ball security, right? Every week, what's the number one thing you probably hear analysts talk about all the time? Turnovers. Coaches, what do they talk about? Turnovers. Guys with little hands who put the ball on the ground? I mean, it, it, freaks, it freaks scouts out. Because what they're, what they're saying, look, they don't ever – scouts and GMs never want a paper trail coming back to them that points to something that they overlooked and or didn't put enough emphasis on that ultimately winds up costing the team games. And quarterbacks putting the ball on the ground because they can't grip it in all kinds of weather. That's one of the easiest things in the world to kind of like obviously assess in terms of hand size. I mean, you, you, ever, you, you've, you know Russell Will You ever shake Russell Wilson's hand? It's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's gigantic. He doesn't have a whole bunch of ball security issues throughout the course of his career, and he throws in all kinds of weather. So, yeah, that, that's still going to be a big deal. Why
4: does it feel like Sean Payton wants to move on from Russell Wilson? Where, where's the magic that Russ once had?
9: You know, you know, like as as people, man, like sometimes we we just have these, you know, the, these the, the, these preferences as far as how we, you know, what kind of people that we jive with and what kind of. people. Oh, so this is we, a personality conflict? I absolutely, believe it is. Absolutely, it's followed Russ around too much. Yeah, for not to be for for not to have some truth to it.
4: Yeah,
9: right. I mean, too many people point to the fact that man, the guy's become real corporate. He seems so programmed. He seems so full of himself. Even if that's not true, that's the vibe you get from him. And some look, you know, Sean's type A, right? Sean's like Mister Ultimate Alpha. I control everything. There's no way that's gonna mix. There's no way, and you the kind of outburst that he had on the sideline with a guy I mean Russell Wilson has hall of fame statistics. Yeah. You don't yell at a guy like that the way he yelled at him. You just don't. The only guy who really got it. You know, even Bill, Bill never I never saw Belichick like publicly undress Tom Brady the way I saw Sean Payton undress uh Russell Wilson this year. He may have done it in a team meeting room, but he never did it publicly to where it was like just flat out embarrassing. Yeah. That's his personal all right, you're running the Bears. You're on the clock. What are you oh boy, doing? Here yep, here we go. You know what? I'll tell you what. Man, see, right, here's what I'm doing. If I have all the information like they have, and I do believe that it wasn't it, it wasn't only just Luke Getze that led to the underperformance of Justin Fields, but I felt as though Justin Fields' upside was lower than what I believe Jaden Daniels' upside is. Jaden Daniels is the guy I'm picking. Okay. Every year, every quarterback gets a week
4: where we we fall in love with them. This is this is Jaden Daniels'
9: week. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Like last year when the debate was raging about CJ versus Bryce. Okay? And everyone was like Bryce is magic outside the pocket. Bryce is magic outside of structure. Remember, don't forget. Don't worry about this year. Think about his Heisman Trophy year. Bryce, 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 Bryce. With C.J. it was. C.J. is the guy who just, you know, he benefited from all the weapons that he has. Ohio, Ohio State quarterbacks never turn out right. He messed up this whatever test that they gave him, and Houston didn't like him and all this stuff. I was one of those people who was like, look, there's something about – C.J. Stroud had some of the best throws I have ever. I have seen in a long, long time at Ohio State, and the people there who I trust gave me the straight and narrow about him. Jaden Daniels, the more people I trust are giving me the straight and narrow about him, how he's Mm -hmm. conducting himself here, and the way I watch his progression from Arizona State to just this past year, this Heisman Trophy year. This isn't just all of a sudden where I'm going, man, you know what, I think I kind of like this guy. No, I'm talking about the media.
4: Oh, I got you. Is falling in love, you. not you, but the media. Now, Orlovsky said, "Oh, I would take him number one overall." It feels like there's this weekly moment. Like next week could be Drake May, where people are going to go, "Man, Drake May!" Like we tend, oh. we tend to do this because yeah. we got to have something to talk about.
9: Uh, there, there are some, there are some people in the media and otherwise, like Tim Hasselbeck. Oh yes, yeah. by Drake May. Yes, swears by him. Yeah, Hannenbaum uh, thinks that Drake May is going to be. Could be like um, Justin Herbert. He thinks he re- reminds him of him. Um, quite honestly, what's funny is the guy who a year ago people were, and even this year to some degree were comparing to Cat- Patrick Mahomes, that being Caleb Williams, has all of a sudden started to fall out of paper, and we haven't played any games in <laughs> two months. So all of a sudden, he's like, well, he's the third best
4: now. That's how crazy this gets. Exactly. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Um but I wonder, if you're the Bears and you really think that Jaden Daniels is equal, if not better, than Caleb Williams, yep. how do you do that? How do you play Washington that Washington will will still trade up to get Caleb Williams? Like, you can't tip your hand, but right. you, you want Washington to give you something to go up to get Caleb Williams, even though you may not want to keep that pick uh, and take Caleb Williams.
9: Yeah, I, I think, you, you know what, that's where you start leveraging relationships uh, amongst you know, the rest of the general managers. And you quite honestly, you say, hey, look, is there one of these players that you want, that you definitely want, that you know that you're going to tell us who you're going to take? You're going to tell us who you're going to take. Wait, and so the- are you
4: with the bear? Are you still with the Bears? I'm, and- I'm saying I'm with the Bears. Okay, so are if- you saying to Washington?
9: If Washington says this, because Cliff Kingsbury's there, right? And Cliff has coached Caleb. Yeah. And I don't want Caleb. I mean, I take him, but I would prefer Jake. And I say, "Hey, look, who do you want? Who, who are you? Do you are, and if they called me and said, "Hey, look, I want, we want to get into, into the number one spot because we want to draft Caleb, and our Intel tells us, you know, that you're, you're considering obviously taking him clearly, but we want to make sure we get our guy, because that's who Cliff told us we need to take. I'd let him take then I would make the deal, especially if in my back of my mind, I like Jaden anyway. So go ahead and take him. If you want to assure yourself you can get him, go ahead.
4: See, if because I'm really- I'm Washington, I would call your bluff and say, you take whoever you want, Chicago, oh, okay. and we're going to take the next guy.
9: But if, but if you call me...
4: No, then- I, I can't call you. I can't call you. I want you to call me because then I have a little bit more leverage. If I call yeah. you, I don't have leverage.
9: That's true. But if you really want Caleb, you'll call me.
4: I really want him... But man, consolation I can't overpay if I think they're that close. I'm not going to overpay. We've seen too many teams that get desperate and they do that. And I, I I would not do that.
9: That's true. But but you know what? Here here's the the only thing I would say though is this. When you have someone on the inside, and let's just assume that Cliff Kingsbury right now is hammering Dan Quinn and Adam Peters, saying Caleb is who we have to have. <laughs> I coach them, we can trust him, and they're like well, we don't really know what Ryan's going to do, so you know what? Okay, let's. I'll, go, I'll give him a call and see. You know whether or not we can strike a deal so we can assure ourselves of getting him. As soon as they, they as soon as my phone rings and I see it's Adam Peters, I'm going into. So what are you calling for, Bud? What do you you, you <laughs> want to get up here? I'm not giving him any indication of what I'm thinking, and it may fall exactly the way I want. I get the guy I want, and I add some more draft picks, which would be ideal
4: yeah if you're the bears that would be great if if you want jaden daniels you want washington to think you would still take caleb they'll trade up you get you get some draft capital as we like to say but eh, i don't know
9: yeah i mean and, and you know what i'm sure ryan if let's just assume that ryan poles would be thinking that i mean that's why you have to keep it vanilla you have to keep it out you have to constantly put out there that message of we're considering all options. Heck, we might even just keep Justin Fields. Of course we like all the quarterbacks. Yeah, you want to keep it as <laughs> – you want to stay as poker face as possible. What did
4: you think of the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner?
9: I've never watched it from the beginning then. I've never watched it.
4: But it's about the front office and making decisions and then, you know, a, a coach. You know, I, I know,
9: I don't know why. I just never – wanted to sit down and see and and watch Kevin Costner play out something that (laughs) I was going through in real life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, yeah, because you know what? I'll probably just get bitter and be like, that's not true. (laughs) You know, and be that old grumpy, get off my lawn. You don't know what you're talking about, guy.
4: Uh, Have fun there in Indy. Always great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us.
9: Of course, man. Thank, thank you. That's Lewis Riddick,
4: ESPN NFL college football analyst and uh, spent time in the NFL and uh, a few teams in the front office. So always a great person to talk to. Before we go to break, um, we did the Wonderlick test yesterday on Dan Patrick Takes a Gamble. And uh, you can you can uh, listen to that at your own peril at danpatrick.com. So it's and Irving, Dylan the Graphics Guy, Bad Larry, and here's a segment of... Dan Patrick takes a gamble. Somebody had 34. Somebody had 33. Somebody had 25.
2: I mean, if you're just going based on appearances, I would probably put Shay at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, appearances? Yeah. yeah. What, what <laughs> the look at your... What, are you
4: saying he looks stupid? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, you look homeless, Dylan. Shea had a 25. See, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> he is stupid. Bad Larry had a 33. Dylan oh, had a 34. Sh- yeah, uh, we did the Wonderlick test. And uh, Shea passed on all the math questions. Couldn't do it, Danny. So, <laughs> uh, And then Bad Larry was on the honor system because he wasn't in the room with, uh, with Dylan. But Dylan got a 34, which is very respectable. Very respectable.
1: It's Freddie Prinz Jr. and Jeff Di back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.